Welcome to Training Unleashed, the show that will help you design and deliver training that's off the chain and will make a difference. Now, here's your host, Cordell Riley. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Training Unleashed. I am your host, Cordell Riley. It's my pleasure to be with you again. It's also my pleasure to welcome our guest. Our guest is Andy Gold with Urgency-Based Selling. Andy, welcome to the show. Hey, how you doing, Cordell? Thanks so much for inviting me. No, thanks for being on, my friend. How are you doing today? I am fantastic, and I hope you're doing the same. Doing amazing, doing amazing. So, Andy, do me a quick favor. Uh, obviously, you and I know each other a little bit, but I want you to introduce yourself to our audience so they kind of get a perspective of who you are and what you do and all those great things. Well, for sure. Um, I started three businesses. Uh, first, a sales agency selling packaging to food packers. And, and from that experience, which was really rough in the beginning, I started to form the elements of urgency-based selling. And then I, I developed a consumer product, which I sold to most big retailers in the country, including Walmart. And finally, I saw an opportunity to get into the sales training business about 25 years ago. And my first client was my accounting firm at the time. And so I've been doing sales training for 25 years. I've had over 100 clients. And my typical client gets a 10 to 20% lift from the program. And I taught for eight years at the Fairleigh Dickinson University's Rothman Institute of Entrepreneurial Studies. I have an MBA from NYU in marketing. So that gives you a little bit about my background. Awesome, awesome. Very, very impressive background there, Andy, as I'm sure our audience would think. And a lot of great stuff you said in that uh, that opening. But one thing I'm going to point out here, did you say 10 to 20% lift is typically what your clients see? Yes, yes. And, and you know, I've had quite a, a good number of 50%. That's awesome. That's awesome. You know, Andy, one of my passions, and I was, as I look at your title here, obviously sales educator, and I know we're going to talk about training, but I am a firm believer that when you can link real-world business results to training, not just training for the sake of checking the box, but hey, we're bringing Andy in because we want to get a sales lift. And if you can look and tie it to results like that, I think it just puts training in a whole other stratosphere of its importance inside of an organization. What are your thoughts around that? Oh, absolutely. And um, I deal with quite a few entrepreneurial uh, organizations where the owner is usually the CEO. And you're lucky if you get 90 days, (laughs) 90 days to really make things happen. So this whole program was, I mean, I, I, I work with bit much bigger companies, but uh, this program was developed in, in, in like a crucible where we have clients who are looking to get real strong results in 90 to 120 days. Yeah. So absolutely. Awesome. Awesome. So Andy, I'm going to play on the uh, sales educator uh, role that I, or title that I see in your, uh, your title here. And I know that, as you said, you do a lot of writing. I know you recently wrote an article, I don't know if it's too recent or not, but I know you wrote an article for trainingindustry.com on best practices in training. Can you talk a little bit about that? What are some of those best practices that you shared in that article? Yes, yes. Well, actually, um, I think I wrote four or five, and I'd like to mention the themes of three that come to mind. One is on mindset training. One is on uh, the testimonial project, and one is on the battle plan. Now, I I want your your listeners to bear in mind that this is for sales training. 
So if I could quickly go through each of them, mindset training. The major reason in my, in my evaluation why salespeople fail is because they have a conflict between their self-image and what the job requires. And if you don't do mindset training, and if you don't invoke a certain kind of culture, that, that the salespeople are doomed to failure when it comes to uh, business development, opening up new accounts. So, so the problem is that most people are what I call social sellers versus business sellers. In fact, they're attracted to selling um, because they like talking to people. They're gregarious, and they want people to like them. And so a social seller wants people to like them, and a business seller wants to earn the right to profitable business. And it's not an or, you know, in that sense of the tyranny of the or and built to last. You need both. You need social selling and business selling. But what typically happens is the average salesperson is so committed to being liked that they don't close. Or if they do close, they bring in unprofitable business because, after all, what's a great way to get a buyer to like you? It's to cut your price. So it's key to do mindset training to help a salesperson see him or herself in a different light. And what I do, and I offer as an idea to your, to your listeners, is the ethos of the heroic salesperson. So if you see yourself in heroic terms, I think you're likely to do certain behaviors. If you see them as Willie Lomanish, death of a salesman's slimy loser kind of behaviors, you ain't going to do it. And so it's critical for leadership in the company to support a culture of something like the heroic salesperson. And what does a heroic salesperson do? What is the essential heroic act? It's opening the closed mind. See, the typical prospect in selling will say to you, I'm good, if you even get through to them. I'm good. I'm satisfied. And so it's the salesperson's um, job, nay, not quest or crusade, to open the closed mind. So you have prospects who are on what we would call false peaks. Imagine two mountains next to each other. One's a lot higher than the other. The prospect's on the lower mountain, and he or she is looking down. And our job in, in selling is to teach them to look up. That's it. That's the heroic act. Mm-hmm. So what I just did is I gave you an example of mindset training right now. That's an example of mindset training. If you could get a salesperson to look at him or herself in, those, in, that, in, in, in that light, they're much more likely to take the overall training and, 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 and embrace what's required to be effective in business development. So that's mindset training. So, hey, Andy, before I know you, you know, you got some others we're going to add on to that, but let me just go back. I want to make sure I got it. So and forgive me for this example. It may not play a pro, but before I get to feature and benefit in sales training, I need to focus on the mindset of that audience before I get to that aspect. Did I get that right? So, and I agree with you about mindset, but I just want to make sure I got that sequence right. Yeah, I'm, I'm focused more on um, the earlier part of the process when you don't have the at-bat, when you're not in there. Right. So by the time you're getting um, uh, to, to uh, benefit to features and benefits, you're already in a conversation. But I would su- I would suggest that um, probably up to 80 percent of sales conversations never take place because you don't get the at bat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so um, that's one place where you need it, obviously. But now when you're belly to belly with a prospect and you're doing features and benefits and the prospect saying, nah, I don't need it. I don't get it. I'm good. 
Do you care about your prospect? If they're in a suboptimal position, what good do you do by allowing him or her to continue to make bad decisions again if they're looking down instead of looking up? Mm-hmm. So we want to raise the well-being of our prospect. We have to help them look up where they're looking down. So there are a number of places in the selling process from soup to nuts where you have to have the heroic mindset to help the prospect sometimes against um, you know, their own will, like they're fighting you. So they could be fighting you to get in the door or to take the example that you just gave – uh, you may be giving fantastic um, uh, features and benefits, but but the prospect is saying, no, I'm good. And a social seller will not persist at that point. It takes a business seller, and that's where the mindset is so critical. Is you okay. have to, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was just saying, I agree, I agree with you. Mindset is very important, very, very important. Right, right. Well, thank you for for the example. I think that's really helpful uh, to the listeners. So I have two others I could quickly discuss if you'd like me to. Please, please. So another another best practice, when you do training, you want you want to coach people to a better place, and and that typically involves change behavior. And wouldn't it be a fantastic thing if you entered and started the training process where they had already started to change and were doing great things? So one of the things I recommend and I wrote about in training industry is is what I call the testimonial letter project. In most of the companies for whom I work, they have few, if any, testimonials. Now, a great testimonial has two qualities to it. One quality is it gives the before and after picture. The other quality is that it talks about the journey the prospect the prospect had to undergo in overcoming an objection like, I'm good. So what we like to do before we start the training in the pre-work is we try to get every salesperson to get at least one testimonial letter. Now, I remember a case once where my, my client was selling overruns, uh, off specs, from from factories they're doing over 300 million dollars a year in sales buying off specs overruns this sort of thing right and when, when i talked to the vp of sales i said hey um can you show me the testimony letters he said we don't have any i said what do you mean he said nobody wants to admit they buy from us so i said well how do you deal with skepticism and risk aversion and moral hazard and he said, well, we give a money-back guarantee. I said, I need testimonial letters. He said, knock yourself out. Talk to the sales team. And they all told me the same thing. Andy, you don't understand. Our customers don't want to admit they do business with us. So it looked pretty tough. But you know, you know the old saying, Cordell, it's more important in life to be lucky than smart. I got lucky. So what happened is we had people who had 5, 10, 15, 20 years experience selling the product Jen is on the job two, three months. She don't know it's impossible. Can you imagine within two weeks, she had the first testimonial letter? Now, how do you think these folks felt? <laughs> Five, 10, 15, 20 years experience. It's impossible. Well, you're probably not surprised to hear that all the people in that first group had testimonials within a month. This was three years ago. I've trained four groups there in the in this time, and they must have 50 testimonial letters now. So, It sets up in your first session 
where you could show that the team has done something they thought was impossible, and it allows you to explore this idea of self-limiting assumptions and say, imagine what else you can do that you thought was impossible. So that's a second technique. A third technique that I write about in training industry, and this again is for sales training, is, is the use of battle plans. Now, the battle plan is a way to be thoughtful about an opportunity that's important enough um, to merit thoughtfulness. So I designed this from my selling system, urgency-based selling. I teach over 120 best-selling practices, and I've called out some of the real creme de la creme in like a two-page analysis. And so when I start my first session, I want to stack the deck in my favor by making it about real stuff that the uh, salespeople are actually doing. So I work with the leader of the team to find two or three people who will cooperate and fill out battle plans. And so I'm hitting the ground running. I'm not just talking about pie in the sky, theoretical stuff, which is how a salesperson might disparage it. We're right down, you know, we're, we're right up to our elbows in real stuff, important cases that they're working on right now. And, and so that's another technique I use to pull in the sales team from the very beginning. And even though I've never worked in the industry before, we're talking about vital cases that salespeople want to close right now. And so that's a third technique I use is preparing battle plans in, it, in advance so that even on the first session, um, the session is customized. I just did one the other day with 26 salespeople. It was a six-hour session. And, you know, if they feel I did a good job, maybe they'll go for a much bigger program. But Almost from the beginning, we were talking about things that were vitally important to people in the room. So those are three techniques that I, I write about in training industry. Mindset training, the testimonial project, and battle plans. And it's all to stack the deck in our favor to get the result we're looking for. I, I hope that's helpful, Cordell. No, Andy, it's very helpful. And one thing that we'll do is um, we'll get a link and we'll actually put it at the end so our users can actually click on that link and actually go uh, review it themselves. But thank you for reviewing them. Obviously, very, very helpful. But we'll get that link up for our audience so they can go and take a look at that as well. So, well, thank you. And, yeah, Andy, I want to do something. I can tell by the way your voice inflection uh, takes place on this call, and ho hopefully our audience is picking up on that too. So, obviously, you do uh, instructor-led training. You're in a classroom environment, and you're doing that type of training. We, we know that there are a lot of different ways, e-learning, video-based training, but obviously you do classroom training, and a lot of our audience does classroom training as well. So what are some things that you do? Again, I get it with the voice inflection, and I love how that's coming across. What are some other things that you do, and uh, obviously to make your classroom sessions come alive to where it's effective training for your audience? Well, I'm not sure I do anything unique, but I'll tell you what I do. So one of the first things that I do is I try to tell uh, powerful stories. I try to tell powerful stories. And I don't know that we have time for it, but I could give an example, you know, if you were interested. Yeah, please do. Please do. Okay. Please do. So, and, and by the way, this is a technique your listeners may or may not be using, but I recommend it. Like when you're in a, selling, uh, a sales call, you need to go, uh, very often we socialize in the beginning. We talk about uh, shared common experiences. 
and at some point we need to get to the business matter of it. And and how do you go from from social to business is is very awkward sometimes. You know, I've gone out on hundreds and hundreds of sales observations as part of assignments, and you'll see. Uh, I'm from the New York metro area. You'll see salespeople, you know, they'll talk about the Yankees or the Giants, and then they'll take a deep breath and say something like that said, and then they'll start talking about business. And to me, it's very awkward. A powerful story, to me, can be a fantastic bridge between socializing and, 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 and doing business. And I'd like to give you an example. Because this is what I teach, is you need to have a fantastic story to bridge uh, from social to business. So here's an example. I want to teach skepticism. That's the subject I want to teach. So just imagine, you know, you're in a class or maybe I'm trying to sell you on the selling program that you should hire me. And I want to teach skepticism to bring you into the business mind. But I want to start in the personal. So I might start talking about cars. It's a used car story and say, gee, man, I I finally got a great car, Cordell, but I've had some clunkers in my time. I don't know if you've ever had a clunker, but maybe you had an experience like I did. So now I'm purely socializing at this point, right? Mm -hmm. And I'll Mm -hmm. say, uh, I remember many years ago, uh, I bought a sunny day used car. Uh, Maybe you had an experience like this. So you got $900 in your pocket. And you go to the lot, and there it is on the lot. It's, it looks like a cream puff. It's a hot, sunny day. And, you know, you're sweating a little bit. It isn't just because the sun's beating on your neck. It's 95 degrees and hot out. <laughs> but this is a big decision. At this point, $900, that's a lot of money to you, right? So um, you take the car out for a test drive. It's fantastic. It does everything you want. Four doors, hatchback, hand crank, moonroof. It gets... 25 miles per gallon, 30,000 miles on the odometer. Uh, this is 1976, so prices were <laughs> and, and And so you, you decide to go ahead, even though you, you feel a lot of stress, you go ahead and buy it, and you drive that car off the lot, and you couldn't be happier. You bought a sunny day used car. Now it's about two, three months later, and, and it's not a sunny day. It's a rainy day. It's raining cats and dogs outside. You hear the thunder crashing. The lightning is crashing. The rain is pounding on the roof. It's raining outside of the car. And as you probably guessed by now, it's raining inside the car. You realize now that you bought a sunny day used car that had perforations, rust, and sheet metal. You got about three inches of water in the driver's well. You're cold. You're wet. The heater doesn't work. How do you feel emotionally, Cordell? You feel foolish, right? Yeah. So now now I have a hint for you. You probably haven't done anything as dumb as I am. That was a true story. But every buyer that you face has has bought their own equivalent of a sunny day used car, and they're skeptical, and they're risk averse, and what are you going to do about it? Now, that's an example of a, of, of a keystone story that I tell. I, I hope it wasn't too terrible. <laughs> I hope it was all right. I used, I'm sorry, were you going to say something? No, I was, I was going to say I was pulled in. I was envisioning the car. I was envisioning the rain. No stories are a great way to pull people in. I and, was pulled and, and, in. And, and I did it. I used what's called experiential st- uh, storytelling. So I put you in the story, right? Mm-hmm. But, but I started 
on a personal level, right? I started saying, wow, I really like my car, but it wasn't always so great. Did you ever buy a used car? And so now I'm finding shared common ground. But by the end of the story, I'm talking about skepticism. So I have made the transition from socializing to business in a two-minute story. We're so glad you're listening to this episode of Training Unleashed, brought to you by Tortal Training. The difference between Tortal Training and other online training companies is we're primarily a training company with technology rather than a technology company that does training. Want to find out more? Just go to Tortal.net. That's T-O-R-T-A-L, Tortal.net. So that's a technique that I use and I teach. But I have a whole series of keystone stories like this um, that I've tested over the last 25 years that I find for the audiences where I'm teaching, they usually like them. So I, I use stories. I use um, humor. I hope there was a little humor in that. I like to use videos. I use fun videos to illustrate points. I have a lot of animations. I've probably spent, I'll pick a number, I've probably spent $100,000 on animations so that there are very few words on the screen when I'm showing like a PowerPoint. Right. There's a lot of action. You know, you know the old cliche, one picture's worth a thousand words. Yeah. So so I'm I'm using a lot of animation. Um that's another technique that I use. A lot of participation. So um I read this book. I'll have to find the name if you're interested, but it's Best Practices in Teaching. I found it very inspiring, and I used techniques from this book. Now, this book, the, the author decided he was going to try to find the best teaching methods in America in public schools. And what he did is he went to inner city schools. No, he was looking for high SAT scores in districts, but not going to like, you know, a, a town that has, you know, lots of money and, 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 and so parents are maybe hiring tutors and this sort of thing. He went to some of the poorest neighborhoods in the country and then where there were high SAT scores in the high schools. Then he went into the high schools and he started studying what were the teachers doing there in these high-performing but, you know, relatively speaking, resource-poor areas. And he wrote a book about all these best-selling practices, and I try to use as many of them as I could fit in. I'll give you an example of one. It's called the cold call, the cold call. And what it means is you could call on anybody at any time. So if I'm teaching a group, first thing I ask them all to do is shut off their cell phones. Some people grumble. Mm-hmm. But then... As I'm teaching, if I see someone's not paying attention, I call on them. That's an example of a best practice from the book. Because if if everybody knows that you might call on them at any time, they're going to pay more attention. So that's another thing I do is I try to study, learn, and use best teaching methods. Um, Another thing I do is contests. So an example of a contest is the I'm good uh, contest. So I'm good is an objection you often face in, in selling. You, if you get through to a prospect, he or she says, I'm good. So what we do is we break the group up into uh, smaller groups of like five. And I give them a challenge like I'm good. And then there's like a 20-second clock on the screen. And each person in the group has to decide um, uh, who gave the best uh, answer. 
So then from each group, we get a winner. I have the winners come up to the front of the room. And then we run the drill again, and everybody votes in the room. And then the winners get a cash prize. When I did it the other day, the, um, uh, you know, the leadership was very generous. The person who won and got first place prize got $500 on the spot. Then wow. I think it was 300 and then 200 for the top three winners. So contests can be um, a really neat way, uh, you know, to, uh, to engage the audience. Um, plenty of practice. We do role plays. Another thing we do is role plays. Again, I recommend to your audience, do it against the clock if you're doing this for uh, sales training. Because in real life, when, when you, like if you're on the phone with a prospect and he or she is looking like, it, you know, I'm going to hang up on you, you can't go on for five minutes. You got you to gotta go quick. And so what I'll typically do in, in any case is I'll have the, the, the group give their best answers, we'll brainstorm it, and then I'll typically have a number of, of, of my own solutions to offer. So I always have the group go first, and then if there's anything that I have, you know, uh, behind door number two, so to speak, you know, uh, I'll sh- that, that they haven't mentioned, uh, then I'll share it. Another thing I do um, is I, ha- I, I invented a, a standard sales call. It's an 18-step process. And I have... When, when the program goes long enough, I have uh, participants submit cases. And here's how I did step one, step two, step three, step four, where, you know, with a PowerPoint deck, each slide is a different step. And what we'll do, ideally, is we'll feature cases where there's a crisis. So I'll give you an example. One of the cases is the problem of the one-legged lead. A one-legged lead means all the decision makers aren't there. So we'll have um, a crisis. It comes to a certain point, and, and then we'll discuss it. A conversation could go on for 5, 10, 15 minutes. And then if, if they don't come up with the solution that we actually used uh, to close the sale, and then I'll present that at the end. So that's another technique we use is, is case histories, not only like in the battle plans that I described, but also step-by-step showing, are you doing the standard sales call step by step by step? So that's another example of a technique I use in training. Um, Andy, a, gr- a great list of techniques, and I'm just going to re- recap a f- couple of them that I heard, or several of them. Stories, you told a great story, use humor, video, animations, participation, and contests, and some great tips, and hopefully our audience was paying attention to those, can use some of those the next time they're going to be training, but that's a great list. Um, Andy, I can tell we can keep going forever because you're sharing some great information and I want to do a couple of things here. I want to uh, kind of wrap this up so our audience can kind of get back on the things and kind of maybe look at some of these they can put into action, but I want to kind of give you the last word here. Andy, you've shared some great things, but if you had to give our audience kind of that one big nugget, if they wanted to do this to make their training more effective, what could you uh, leave our audience with here today? Wow. Am I allowed to pick from the things we already discussed, or do you I can, have to? You can, you can, you can yeah. absolutely pick from the things we discussed. Give them that one big nugget, though. So the one big nugget is mindset training and the rubber band effect. If you do not help pe- coach people through change in their mindset, and if their mindsets are not aligned which is re- with what is required for the job, which you know I'm talking about sales training, you will fail 100 out of 100 times. You will have zero success. So if you do not 
assess and do mindset training, you, you don't stand a chance. That's my one nugget. Awesome. Andy, you're, you have a new book coming out. Quickly tell our audience about the book. Well, thanks for the opportunity. It's called Innovate Now, Scale Up with 16 Breakthrough uh, Sales Techniques. And what I, what I try to offer uh, the audience in metaphorical terms is fish they could eat and then how they could fish on their own. So I give them about eight or ten very high-powered um, techniques. Uh, the story of the sunny day used car, I think, is in there that I told earlier. But then I also give them brainstorming techniques so that people can develop their own selling methods. So it, I, I offer both. And, and I build up to this payoff at the end of the book, which is the state of emotional intoxication. So I forgot that. I'm sorry. One of the things that's important in my selling system is that uh, when I teach is I try to bring the participants to an exhilarated mind state. And it's built into my training. And, and, I, and I demonstrate the method in the book. Because it's a means and an end. It's the end of how we want to live. We want to live in an exhilarated mind state, but it's also a means to a further end of creativity. So that's all in the book. It's supposed to be coming out in the next two to four weeks. And uh, my website is www.urgencybasedselling.net. And it'll be featured on my website. And if I'm lucky, it'll be on Amazon, what have you. So uh, that's a little bit about uh, my book and, and, and how people could, could find out more about it. Good deal. Good, aunt. good deal. Good luck with the book. Um, we'll make sure we get your website and those things up for our audience here to take a look at Andy. Andy, thank you again for joining us today. This has been amazing. You share some great knowledge. So I want to thank you for taking the time to do it. Also want to thank our audience for joining us for this episode of Training Unleash. I uh, hope you enjoyed it. hope you got some nuggets that you can put into action. Please continue to come back to more and additional new episodes. Thank you and have a great day all. Take care. Bye-bye. This has been Training Unleashed, but it doesn't stop here. Just go to trainingunleashed.net to subscribe to the show. That way you'll never miss an episode and you'll be well on your way to delivering training programs that are off the chain. We'll talk to you next time on Training Unleashed. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.